In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you, no scripts, just real dialogue. Talent Acquisition in the Trenches is powered by NACR, the preeminent association for healthcare recruitment professionals focused on education, networking, and providing resources to enable our members to become strategic business partners in the ever-changing healthcare environment. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for trenching in. Today's guest is Jeff Green. He's the National VP of TA Strategies and Operations for Trinity Health. Jeff is uh, one of my bosses at Trinity, and so I'm super excited to have the opportunity to kind of sit with him here today and, and to riff not only about what's going on inside of Trinity a little bit, what's out, just what's going on outside in the market. Jeff has spent the last eight years of his career in healthcare with uh, almost five, I think, Jeff at, at, at Trinity. Before that, um, Jeff has a background in retail, which I plan to dig into a, a little bit deeper here today, and in the nonprofit uh, se- uh, sector. Like I said, I get to work with Jeff daily in the trenches, and so I'm, I'm sure that this, uh, this conversation will be deep, as I know uh, Jeff is. He's also a man of many talents, and so maybe, uh, maybe we can get into some of those unique talents, including soil judging uh, on today's show. Jeff, welcome to the show. Perfect. Thanks so much, Matt. I'm I'm excited to be here and uh, just expi- excited to spend some time uh, chatting about our favorite topics, right? All the things that we get to do and and dedicate our life to. So thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So um, here's how here's how I know you. I, I know you as a as a creative. Uh, I know you as a, a storyteller, and I know you as um, you know somebody that can bring uh, an employee value proposition to life. Uh, and so. Um, you spent, um, you know, uh, a few years back, some time in in retail. You spent some time in, uh, at, actually, at Abercrombie and Fitch, as I as I recall, uh, kind of on, um, you know, their international team, kind of helping them with some build out, uh, you know, across the the globe. And one time, you and I spoke. Um, you talked to me a little bit about how, um, you know, how important the the consumer brand is, obviously, in retail. But then, how they value the employment brand right next to the, uh, you know, the the uh, the consumer brand. And so, I just was curious, you know, as, as you um, spend more time in healthcare, right? Um, and as that becomes, you know, probably in the end, what you're known for as a healthcare TA leader. What what are some things that you have pulled forward from your time at, at Abercrombie and Fitch? And then, what what do you what do you think are some of the the areas of opportunity that we healthcare TA leaders have? or lessons that maybe we can learn from the retail uh, industry? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. I think that um, one of the things that many industries have uh, focused on that um, we kind of segment out in healthcare, and for those of you that are in healthcare, I think this will resonate. Um, we oftentimes talk about our patient populations in healthcare, and then we separately talk about our colleague populations um, which you know can translate to our applicants. 
one of the things that we see in most other industries is that those are really one and the same. <clears throat> and one of the things that I have really taken forward in my career from being in retail is that we have to be able to attack and address our consumer effectively in a way that feels congruent with their other experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, in retail, like Abercrombie and Fitch, you've got your target population of consumers. Who are your customers? Who are you trying to get to ultimately purchase your product? Um, when you think about town acquisition, many of those people are the exact people that you want to try to obtain to work for your company. They've already bought into your organization, who you are, the culture. They have some sort of aspiration already that has an alignment to it, but it's not always exactly what you would think. So it's not always things like, oh, I love wearing these clothes, so I'm going to be a great employee. No one mm-hmm. no one thinks it's quite like that. Um, but there is definitely an element to say, if you understand who we are, mm-hmm. you will understand what your employment um, <clears throat> experience might look like with us. And we can help you kind of unpack that more. In healthcare, a lot of times our consumer, we kind of think about from a hands-off perspective. We don't think Mm -hmm. about it as um, how do we tap into that population to convert to employment? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's lots of sensitivity, as there should be, around um, healthcare experiences. Many people, unfortunately, come to us um, in some of the toughest times of their life. It's not the time to be talking to them about employment and incentive packages and things like that. But we also know that some of our employees that have the strongest dedication, the strongest um, understanding of who we are as an organization are people that did experience healthcare in some very vulnerable way at some point in time in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why they've come to work for us, whether that is what got them into nursing school or what got them interested in, you know, transitioning from a Fortune 500 finance company to come work for a not-for-profit healthcare organization because they had some experience that really resonated. And so one of the big key points that we are challenged with every day in healthcare is to bring forward some of those learnings from other industries like retail mm-hmm. on how we can potentially engage with this candidate population or consumer population and make them one and the same. So, you know, at with my current team, one of the the things that I try to challenge us on a lot is to think about this all being the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, so the candidate and the patient, um, and the employee all are potentially the same person just at a different time in their life. Um, yeah. and that different time could be in a span of a week. And mm-hmm. so how we focus on our communication, our messaging, and honestly, our overall candidate attraction strategies has to lean into this congruent experience um, that we want the consumer to have and we want our applicants to have. Mm -hmm. Do you see, um, you know, kind of as you're out there, you know, networking or even, you know, in your day-to-day, do you you see folks who do that well? Or do you think that remains 
um, you know, a, a, um, a continued opportunity for, for healthcare TA leaders to, to kind of drive that uh, EVP alignment to the consumer brand alignment? Um, you know, frankly, I think it's an opportunity for all of healthcare. I think there are some that are diving into it some. Um, one of the key pieces that I think is a challenge for many of us in healthcare is true segmentation. Mm -hmm. Customer segmentation and targeting those populations can be difficult to unpack a little bit. Um, and what I mean simply about that is, how do we make sure we're reaching out to people at the most opportune time? We know mm -hmm. in TA, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, timing is everything. And there are times where you could really damage your employment brand by the reach out. Yeah. And there are times where it could be exactly the time in which someone is willing to listen, open that email or make a change and get on a phone call. So mm -hmm. trying to figure out consumer segmentation is tough in the healthcare space. And I think that's why even those that are doing a little bit of this have been limited. We're still just mm -hmm. doing it in little pieces. Um, because I can say for my team, I think we're doing some decent work here, but it is um, a pretty conservative approach to yeah. what segments we are willing to reach out to and, and how we do so. Yeah, yeah. So let's switch gears here a little bit. Um, recent promotion at Trinity, so congratulations. Uh, uh, you know, got a chance uh, to, to really move right from more regional-based role inside of the organization to a system-level uh, you know, kind of role uh, where where you're running the operations, and I, and I think you still have your your region that you're still uh, uh, you know working uh, you know for. And so, how's that transition going? And you know, maybe for some of the listeners, um, you know, as you you lean into a new job, hey, I get promoted, or you know, I get I get a chance to move from a director to VP or a manager to um, you know director. What are some of the things that you are working to do to maybe gain some momentum in your new in your new role? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. First and foremost, it is, you know, absolutely a new role for me. Um, the, the scope is um, grown quite a bit, but also something that uh, in past life, you know, was able to flex a little bit. I think one mm -hmm. of the things that is new and is a challenge that I'm dealing with, and I think many of, of your listeners probably are as well, is um, we do have kind of this post-pandemic or um, I mean, e even just um, post shift um, in the workforce tone right now where mm -hmm. lots has changed and um, things that used to be run of the mill, things that you do, maybe were even considered best practice, really hard to do now. Um, yeah. In fact, I, you know, I've shifted language to try to say, let's focus on leading practice. Um, mm. more than best practice, assuming it's going to change again. Um, yep. There's a lot of unknown. Leading there, practice, so. meaning like what's going on right now that's leading in the industry, not maybe like, you know, yep. I, I like that. That's good language. So yeah, exactly. that's good. I like that. Because, you know, I mean, we know that, you know, what we used to do is maybe not exactly the right thing. I mean, how many of us have talked about 30, 60, 90 day reach outs? Mm -hmm. And then you now look at things and you think, man, is that really the right timing? Is that the, really mm -hmm. the right timing? And are we messaging the right way? Is it really, should it be an email? Is, you know, is that, is that the right thing? Um, how, many, how many people are reading emails? I mean, a perfect example of this um, that's kind of comical to me is that I would have been the first person to tell you, QR codes are dead. These are not mm -hmm. happening. No one wants to use a QR code anymore. 
getting your phone out to scan something's not going to happen. And we've seen in this in this new world where that is absolutely not true. Yeah. Everyone is transitioned back. We see restaurants where your menus are set up that way. We see mm-hmm. directions set up this way. We see ways in which you can donate to different businesses through QR codes now more than ever. And mm-hmm. um, it this is a time where we have to challenge ourselves and say, what is the leading practice right now? Um, and should we get to it? And mm-hmm. are there things that we think we need to get ahead of? And so, you know, I mean, when I think about what we're really focused on, yeah, we got focused on the basics. We got focused on delivery as ever. Um, healthcare is going through lots of challenges as an industry. But one of my primary focuses is also how do we stay agile? How do we continue mm-hmm. to make sure that we um, stay relevant and ahead of the game and um, develop strategies that help support the business long term? So we got lots of things in the hopper, honestly, Matt, and I yeah. know you know many of those. Um, but everything from traditional operations all the way to um, more innovative strategies in which we are shifting to a focus around lead generation and um, true talent attraction, talent marketing work outside of um, more of your traditional sourcing reach out. We, we've mm-hmm. got to be able to do all of it right now. Yeah, yeah. All of it, and then at scale, and and then you know um, uh, as cost effective as we, as we possibly can. And so I'm just sitting here thinking, um, I'm making the the base assumption that uh, everybody knows who Trinity Health is. Uh, and so uh, may, maybe just your your quick pitch on you know Trinity Health uh, and uh, kind of who the organization is, uh, you know size, scope, uh, you know that type of thing. And then you know talent acquisition at, at Trinity. What what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, great call out. So Trinity Health is a large not-for-profit healthcare organization. Um, we are uh, focused on Catholic health in particular. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, have, gosh, a new number, um, you know, with the continued um, in and out of our business. Uh, I think that we are just now just north of 90 hospitals across the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. We operate in multiple states. And we've got both acute and post-acute solutions and care uh, that is um, being provided to patients across the country. When people hear about things like Catholic Health, sometimes I think there's question about what that means. Um, Really, at the short of it, we really try to provide care to everyone that needs it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter about your coverage. It doesn't really matter about... um, what all of your insurance plans may look like, we're going to try to do all that we can to provide you the best care that we can um, from that caring lens of um, who we are and, and again, why we provide care. There are um, also within our organization different smaller operations that actually um, do things like street care um, and provide health care to those that are really in need and have access um, obstacles to being able to get health care. And so a lot of the work that we do is really focused around the community. Um, and for, you know, if you get into all the nitty gritty of operations that that gets into reimbursement and insurance and all sorts of crazy stuff um, that does set us apart, makes us unique in who we are. Um, but I think many people would be surprised to know that many of the healthcare organizations that we use all the time are also rooted in not-for-profit Catholic healthcare. Um, and so it's it's not a unique 
selling point to us necessarily. Um, but we do believe that it really drives a lot of our culture. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's a wonderful organization. I, uh, came, um, three years ago now just on a, uh, on a, a contracting basis. I actually think you were employee number one that I spoke with. And so you, you did a lot of my training and kind of got me up, uh, up and running and haven't left. Um, there's been just, you know, uh, uh, an ongoing, you know, I think opportunity to, to try to help um, fulfill the mission, you know, through talent acquisition and, and just uh, to your point, um, you know, that mission uh, of serving all, uh, which, which I think is, um, you know, uh, the right mission. Uh, and it's been a, it's been a tough slog here over the last, uh, you know, three years, you know, trying to kind of counterbalance something that certainly was in motion mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, you know, the, the shortages that we were experiencing in, you know, key roles like nursing, et cetera. Um, but it's just uh, it, it's really moved itself along, and so let's go back um, over to the uh, kind of the the conversation that was um, uh, evolving around uh, you know, kind of innovation and leading practices. And so you know, sitting here in February 2023, right? Um, news is is um, <clears throat> you know really focused right now on um, you know the major leap forward in in chat, you know, GPT. And, and, you know, you're starting to see, you know, practical uses of it show up inside of talent acquisition shops, you know, whether that's helping draft content for emails or, um, you know, we were just talking to a bunch of sources here on Friday, um, you know, some of the use cases that they're using to, you know, help draft, you know, draft content for initial LinkedIn outreaches, those types of things. You know, I guess um, you know, we've been hearing about you know, AI and, and probably more specifically machine learning. We've been hearing about those advances. Um, you know, I guess when, when you look at, you know, not only just chat GPT and, and some potentials there, um, wh- where do you think the technology stack is headed? And, and what, what tasks or I guess what, um, uh, you know, what pieces of that process do you believe machine learning or, you know, AI or whatever can alleviate from the recruiter's desk, then to do what, you know? And so, yeah, a mouthful there, but I, you know, in essence, I'm just kind of curious on your, your take on that and, and where you see things going. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Matt, it is, um, it has to be a balance because I think many organizations can quickly jump to what's going to make the recruiter desk more efficient um, or what's going to make the candidate experience more efficient. And really, it's got to be a balance of both of those things, um, because mm-hmm. sometimes those things might be in conflict. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I think about tech stack and where we're headed, I do think that there's a lot of opportunity for AI and for um, other general forms of automation. But we can't forget the UX here. We can't forget um, what does our candidate experience look like and where do they feel comfortable with things being um, maybe less personalized and where mm-hmm. are they still thirsty or hungry for um, personalization and talking to someone. And um, we have to be able to understand what pieces of that process um, need that touch. You know, there are certain things that um, I've challenged um, around things like, is video, is face to camera always going to be the right solution? Yes, mm-hmm. we're more comfortable. Yes, we are all consuming so much more media with face-to-camera work. I mean, 
doesn't matter what age you are, TikTok continues to grow, right? We are seeing people spend time um, watching people talk directly to them through a screen. However, that doesn't necessarily mean everyone feels comfortable talking on mm -hmm. a screen themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there are certain things where it maybe isn't the slickest tool for us to say, let's get people on camera, get them a you know, recording, make it happen really quick, and then we'll move forward. Because for some people, that may be the thing that they put off. They say, mm -hmm. oh man, I need to go get my hair done before I go record this video. I need to, I can't do it right after I wake up. I had a long night shift last night. I can't do that tonight. Um, you know, there are always going to be things that are that kind of like human factor. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we look for automation and say, what are the things that are going to be more efficient, advantageous, or convenient for our applicants? Um, and then hopefully that output is um, similar. You know, I think one of the things that we are seeing for our recruiters is that they do need to be able to attract talent differently than they ever mm -hmm. have before. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, we're not surprised when we look at employment rates the way that they are, that people are seeing fewer applications. People are not mm -hmm. submitting 20 applications to the same organization consistently. Um, that's across the board. We're seeing that in every industry across the board. So one of the things that we do, I think, need to be addressing as a TA leadership function is how do we give tools to mm -hmm. our TA teams to be able to find talent and attract talent in a way that's um, less transactional. It's a lot more nurturing. And um, to be honest, you know, the profile for a lot of recruiters is not just who can search the best ever. Um, mm -hmm. Some of it has to be how do they nurture and influence people um, more effectively. And sometimes that can take a long runway. So, um, you know, we're doing a lot of efforts to focus on more creative outlets for lead generation and for um, outreach on different platforms. There's a lot of kind of encouragement for content pushing that needs to happen as well. Um, mm -hmm. Just getting content out to disrupt the algorithms that everyone has and exists mm -hmm. in. Um, and to honestly get more mature in that. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot less about just volume and we've got to start thinking about um, what we need to do more about true attraction. And so I do think that much of what we're seeing in talent right now is moving away from, you know, just true acquisition of talent, but actually looking at ways in which we are attracting talent. Um, and, and that process can take a lot longer and mm -hmm. it's oftentimes on different platforms. So, so how do you that balance that, um, that investment in time, you know? And so I think, you know, when we're, we, we talk a lot about, you know, just our, main initiative here, you know, getting the top of the funnel moving, getting quality lead flow through, right? And, and um, you know, the, the business, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, is, is thirsty for solutions up there. And, and, you know, to your point, some of these nurturing uh, initiatives can take not months, but multiple months, years even, right? And so, how, how do you balance the, the strategy between, you know, maybe what, what we call like community-based sourcing where you're out in the community and, and you're building relationships, you're building school partnerships, that type of thing versus that, you know, traditional, you know, kind of outbound headhunting, 
you know, driving the databases or whatever versus maybe just brand awareness, you know, recruitment marketing. So those mm -hmm. three buckets, you know, the, those one, I guess, could argue are the three kind of bigger buckets to move things along. How do you balance that? And, and is that an equal priority across all three of those in your mind? Or do, do those percentages of time vary just based upon, you know, what somebody's willing to invest in or, or really what the leader values itself? Uh, the question you're asking, Matt, is the question I ask myself um, yeah. often, uh, which is, you know, is, is this a balanced act? Um, are we, should we have specialized folks um, or are we asking and calling and developing our teams to um, be able to play in all buckets? Hmm. Um, there's a lot of questions that I think are still um, left unanswered, at least in my head. Um, hmm. I would say the one thing that we really try to focus on that I, I think is all that we can do right now for accountability is consistency and planning. Um, we've got to make sure that whatever messaging we are using is consistent on all platforms across all of those buckets, right? Mm -hmm. So our direct sourcing work should be branded similarly to mm -hmm. what we're doing for nurturing campaigns, which should be the same as that event that we're doing in one of our, with one of our academic partners which should be the same of what we're doing internally to those colleagues that are hoping to, you know, refer. And mm -hmm. um, we need to get through that piece. So, you know, I think having a more concerted effort around planning has been a big shift, I will mm -hmm. say, for, for many of our teams uh, to have to be able to say, what are we going to do next month? Mm -hmm. And on all cylinders, how are we firing this out? Um, and it is. I think forcing us to say any small event, like we have a new doc, doc that's starting. We have to say, mm -hmm. okay, so what's all of the information and content we need to get and how are we gonna share it out in every way? And mm -hmm. that's, that's a new challenge. Um, I think in the past, again, we've talked about this more transactionally and we don't set up things like content calendars across the year. Um, we have to be more um, focused than what we have had to be in the past. And our planning really helps in that space. Yeah. So do you yeah. see the role of the recruiter shifting? You know, so like as we kind of bleed in the advanced automation and some of the, you know, the AI that, that in theory will wrap around the recruiters and create, you know, assistants that are doing certain tasks or maybe automating. You see the role of the recruiter evolving to, you know, uh, if the rec, rec loads are balanced, um, you know, to, to be able to do more of this um, content creation, to, to, to adhere to brand, to help, you know, evangelize the company. Do, do you see that happening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the word that I will overuse is that we have to be more influential, more mm -hmm. than ever. Um, mm -hmm. We can't focus on just the most transactional pieces. While those are important, that's kind of baseline now. That's something yeah. that we've got to foundationally all do well. But we do have to become more influential, especially when our workforce is so tight. When mm. we know that our workforce is in a position to where they can get offers from mm. you know three different groups tomorrow if they wanted to, we need to make sure that we are showing up, I guess, differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think a lot of that relies on the recruiter, which means that that recruiter needs to have more information and be a bigger partner to the business. 
um, to be able to represent and influence well. Uh, but I can tell you, you know, what we used to do, you know, years ago where we just did a lot of hosting. And, you know, I think some organizations call it just the Sherpa work, just getting mm-hmm. from interview to interview, hosting dinners, picking up from airports, things like that. All those things can, in especially certain industries and levels of orgs, um, still be really important. But we that's assuming we get them here. Um mm-hmm. A lot of what we got to do and the recruiters need to really focus on is that sort of like high touch experience so much earlier in the process. Um, And you got to make anyone that even just says, I don't know, I might be interested. Um, Mm -hmm. Or even down to a challenge like that person that accepts your invitation on LinkedIn. What do you do with them? Do you just say, oh, great, they accepted and you move on? Or are you going to intentionally try to do something? And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to sell them on anything as much as you're going to build a relationship right away. You're going to build a relationship with them and, um, and help them work through it. You know, to tie back to your earlier question around retail, Matt, I, I use this example often where if you went into a retail store, a clothing store, and someone's just trying to sell you something that, you know, it, it doesn't look that great. You put it on, it doesn't look that great. Um, that person at the store can say it looks amazing. You may listen to them. You may buy it. But guess what happens? They go home. Someone that's much closer to them that they actually trust tells yeah. them like, no go. You shouldn't be wearing that. That's and they my take wife it back. all of the time. Is that <laughs> She's like, take that back. She's like, unless it's a black shirt or a pair of blue jeans, just take it back. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this is the funny part. You take it back and then what happens? You, yeah. you don't listen to that store anymore. Like that, yeah. especially that associate at that store, yeah. you're like, oh man, they're trying to upsell me, right? Like yeah, that's just, yeah. that's what's going hmm. on. We can't be upsellers. Like in this scenario, yeah. we have to be looking at how we are developing trust, developing a relationship and ultimately finding the right role for people mm-hmm. and being that kind of like, you know, use the same analogy, be that personal shopper, the person that's trusted yeah. That you go to and just say like, hey, I got this event. I need some help. Um, We as a recruiter, we can't focus solely on you meet minimum qualifications. Let's push you through a process. I'll get you an offer tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Speed is absolutely important, but care is going to continue to be more and more important as we focus more and more on attraction. Yeah, I love this idea of influence, you know, and and, um, never really packaged it or, or thought about that being the, you know, and, and that, that, that's a, a clean mm-hmm. word. I was talking to a, a, another head of TA here actually this morning, and, and um, he was talking about how through data, um, you know, that in essence, he and his leadership team were influencing, you know, the, the leadership team, you know, at the company that, that this gentleman worked for. But um, he was saying that from his perspective, the data that he was needing to bring forward was um, evolving versus maybe data that he would have brought forward earlier in his career, right? And so earlier in his career, he'd be you know, justifying his existence or whatever through time to fill mm-hmm. metrics and the stuff that we all did. Um, you know, he said he's really found himself um, spending more time consulting uh, with the leadership team you know, around the market trends uh, you know, that, that exist in the market. And then bringing forward um, kind of how he positioned it as, you know, specific benchmarked data to help them understand the talent nuances of their operation. 
you know, and, and so I think that that influence mm-hmm. as a TA leader um, out in the market is, is important. Um, but then also this idea of influencing or building trust or alignment with your key customers inside of the organization is just as important. And I know that, you know, we've been working on that here over the course of the last, um, you know, a quarter or so to, to really ensure that we get good alignment. Um, you know, across the organization. And, and so I know one of the things that you do very well, your teams do very well, uh, is, a, is a great job of, you know, the report outs and the engagement with the executives and the connecting them to not the ins and the outs, but the recruitment marketing strategy. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that and, and um, you know, why you prioritize that so much? And then, you know, if there's any tips or tricks to get somebody moving in that direction, I mean, I think that would be beautiful. Yeah, um, man, it's it's a big it's a big topic, and honestly, we spend um, a good amount of our time, and and honestly, we even look at people dedicating a good chunk of their FTE to this work, um, which is really um, kind of like evangelism work, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. we would we would call it loosely. I mean, we're trying to get big believers in the work that we're doing, and. Frankly, when you start looking at things like you reached, you know, 300,000 people with this Google ad in a span of a day and a half, but that only results to how many applications, it can look a little dismal, especially for an executive Mm -hmm. that doesn't understand, well, what's a click-through rate? What's that mean? And Mm -hmm. what's engagement mean? And so there's a lot of education up front that needs to happen. Um, But I would agree that, you know, our metrics have shifted quite a bit. Uh, one of the key components that we focus on is we we want to think about what does the business actually care about? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what are the pieces that they are really concerned about? And we know in TA, they still want to know about our hires, right? They want to mm-hmm. know who our hires are, where they're coming from, how many of them are external, what's our internal mobility look like, and did they have a good experience that was fast and mm-hmm. um, still with care? And so we don't ever shy away from still reporting out those things, but we are helping inform what other pieces of the pie <clears throat> actually contribute to that experience. And so, mm. you know, we do look at things like our um, online presence and our SEO. We've had to really explain what that looks like. And um, a lot of it had to be translation, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So you look at things like general SEO. And then you look at things like what's our job posting strategy? There's a lot of connectivity, right? When mm-hmm. we look at uh, programmatic distribution through different technology vendors, we know that there are ways in which we can make sure our jobs are seen better than other areas. Mm-hmm. But our leaders don't necessarily know what that means. And so mm-hmm. a lot of what our focus is, is helping bring them into the brand conversation and mm-hmm. help them understand how that is performing. Um, and frankly, you know, we try to wrap that up a lot in talking about, um, how they would shift it. And so Mm. at those really frontline leaders, those leaders that are doing the bulk of your hiring, instead of just talking about things like value proposition, we talk a lot about like, where are the personas? Who are the people that we're targeting? Let's talk about the people that have worked for you. What are the traits that you really valued? Let's talk about the people we've hired recently. What are the what are the things that are proving to be a success, and what are the things that have been surprises to you? Maybe maybe not on the positive side. Um, let us help construct some different personas, and then through that we can start um, 
helping edge out what that looks like. So here's the reason why we're targeting this population, because this is the identified person that you said Mm -hmm. would be really great and successful and would be a perfect fit for your current team, knowing that your team's going to evolve as soon as you hire another person. And so um, making sure that we talk about the brand in the sense that it's very fluid, it's delicate, um, but it's something that we want to be agile. So we need it to continue to be fluid has been really important. When we report out on that stuff, Matt, I mean, we think about the key metrics have shifted a lot to leading indicator. And um, we remember that many of our executives are not going to get motivated by some of the different numbers and things that are listed out there because we don't know if one looks good or if 100 looks good in every sentence. So we do try to make sure that we think about this visually too. Um, What are the things that are going to be visual to them, as well as asking them to create some calls to action themselves. Hmm. How do we leverage our own networks? And that's more easily done when you're giving them visuals that they can kind of attach to and get excited about. Um, And at least in our, in our space, a huge part of that is about narrative. Yeah. So we will we will get narrative, um, some story from a specific colleague or candidate, and then we actually track performance. And I think um, one thing I would really challenge um, those that are trying to start in this space a little bit more is um, set yourselves up to be able to track the exact work in this space. It's mm-hmm. so easy to just lean into the anecdotal information or feedback we get. Um, but then we don't learn. We don't figure out what we could do different. We just kind of say, we'll do it again or we won't do it again. Um, and so there's a lot of things like set up, set up splash pages to see that traffic, you know, be able to, um, time out when you are going to send things, uh, through organic social media, um, you know, engage existing networks, but I, I wouldn't say you need to set big goals right away Mm -hmm. because many of your executives won't know what right looks like. It mm-hmm. is more focused around um, getting information from them and making sure that you really hit home that it's a partnership. The branding yeah. piece of the partnership with your your operations leaders, um, and we're just the voice to be able yeah. to push that out. Yeah, so so much to, um, you know, kind of un- unpack there. I think the, the key point that, that I... Um, really identify with is just the, the shared kind of responsibility there of, of the, the EVP, how important that branding work actually is, some, some shared accountability there. Another thing that you said that really resonates for me, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, I, I think it's good that executives in this, especially healthcare executives right now, are interested in the leading KPIs, right? Like, yeah. hey, listen, we've got a challenge here. We all have a challenge here. And so I think it's great that the executives are digging in. What it what it forces us as leaders to to be is I think actually even stronger with the data. It, it, it requires yeah. us to get our hands even dirtier than maybe what we once would get it when things were flowing maybe the way they needed to flow or whatever. Um, and I think it's just natural. Like hey, like we haven't been able to fully solve this problem, so I I need to learn more about what this problem actually is so that I can as an executive, as a senior leader, as a COO, as a CNO, 
um, help to to be part of the solution. And, and so um, a, a lot to uh, a lot to reflect on there. Join hundreds of your healthcare TA peers and enjoy the benefits of a NACR membership today. Free educational webinars, access to our listserv, and discounts to your CHCR certification. All of this and much, much more for as low as $80 per person annually. Learn more at NACR.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. A couple quick questions and then we'll, um, we'll wrap up. One work, uh, one work related question. Well, what's one thing you're super excited about for 2023? So like just in general, when you think about healthcare and talent acquisition, what's one thing you're re- really excited about this year? You know, I'm really excited to um, dig in deeper, um, honestly, around candid communication. I think there's a ton mm-hmm. of opportunity around how we can um, be more intentional on ways in which we automate and ways in which we reach out on a more personal level and, and segment your time so we can devote more time to the areas that need more care. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity here in general. Um, it's going to be new for healthcare, I think, in many ways to, to usher people this way. but I'm excited about a lot of that work and um, and really getting to candidates earlier in their journey. So um, I think there's going to be a lot more to come. I know that's happening within our org. I also am um, talking with many of my peers across the industry. I'm hearing everyone's kind of attacking the same thing. So I'm excited to see how we all push each other and um, and learn learn in that space. Candidate calm. It's critical, and you know I, I think um, you know when when you think about um, silver medalist, and you think about mm-hmm. ongoing engagement, uh, especially in large organizations like Trinity, where where we we get you know some flow in certain areas. Um, that is a uh, that's a challenge, um, but it's also ripe for um, some evolution and some opportunities. So, all yeah. right. So then here's the question everybody's been wanting to know: What makes <laughs> a great soil judge, and are you a great soil judge? <laughs> Um, great question. <laughs> I, um, I'm probably a little rusty. Um, I, you know, I grew up in a very rural, uh, part of America and, um, got to participate in all, all the things agriculture and, um, it, you know, have seen some accolades in soil judging and, um, it's a, it's a funny thing. It's, it's kind of like one of those, um, one of those accolades that not not many people get to talk about, but it's also it's also so niche. Um, it, Super cool. I, I would say um, I'm a good soil judger. It's been a while, to be honest, yeah. but it doesn't mean that I don't um, still, you know, rub some dirt between my fingers every once in a while, still to see, you know, what the clay makeup looks like and things like that. But it's a um, is it a do you do you feel it? Do you smell it? Or like what's the like what's oh, the yeah. soil judge process? Look all like? all of your senses outside mm. of well, actually all of your senses really can be used um in it. You know, mm. you're gonna taste you're gonna as taste well. It. You're going yeah. to you're gonna feel the consistency, you're gonna look at the the density, you're going to be able to sometimes you'll even rub it to see like what sort of uh breakdown it is. So you you can mm. even like do that to your ear. Um I mean honestly there's all components of it, um, you know, you add water to things, you see what the mud consistency looks like, um, how it absorbs water or doesn't absorb water. Um, so there's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and it's, it's funny because you start thinking about, um, you know, why that piece of corn tastes different um, yeah. now versus before. And you, you know, as soon as you dig into things like soil and, and um, you know, rain um, and all those different things, you start 
start learning a little bit more about food and, and how that's all impacting. But hmm. yeah, it's a pretty, um, it's, it's a funny thing in my back pocket. It's always nice to have a, yeah. a surprise surprise um you're one back. of the the most interesting uh you know people that i know and there's there's so many other stories here that uh, i'm sure we could <laughs> drag out we'll have to do that in uh in episode two the last question that i ask everybody and then i and then we got to get back to back to the uh, grind here um and i appreciate the time very much here uh today today is um what why do you choose healthcare? so you moved out of re- retail and other nonprofits, and you moved into healthcare, and you've stuck with it well why do you choose healthcare? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, first and foremost, I think the thing you'd hear from a lot of people is that it um, it means a lot to be able to um, look at supporting an industry that's so focused around caring for people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, your outcome is not about your sales margin. Your outcome is not about um, you know some innovation with a microchip. It's it's really more about people and, and changing people's lives. That's a huge huge driver of um, mine whenever things start feeling a little bit tough. I will mm-hmm. also say, knowing myself though, part of it is that there's a big challenge in healthcare yeah. too. Um, yeah. I, I won't shy away from that. I know that um, it feels like there's constant problem solving. Those of you that um, hear a riddle and will stay up all night thinking about it, I'm one of those people. Um, and um, while that can be unnerving sometimes, it's also a huge motivator. And mm-hmm. I've learned to um, make that a positive. And healthcare's yeah. got many of its own challenges outside of talent, but that impacts us um, and how we do our work and and how it happens. And so, you know, I think I'm going to continue to be in healthcare because it continues to challenge me in ways that um, make me really excited. Yeah. Well, you're a beautiful human, man. I I really appreciate, um, you know, the opportunity to uh, work with you each day and and get to learn and and grow uh, with you. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, your leadership uh, at, at Trinity Health as things move forward um, is, is much, much needed. And so um, if folks want to engage or learn more about uh, soil judging or whatever uh, else uh, interesting uh, that, that you could come up with, how, how would one engage with, with Jeff? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, like many of us, I'm sure. Um, it's easy to find me because my name's very simple to find. Um, I'm sure we'll link that at some point too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not on a lot of social platforms um, on a personal level. I'm only really engaged kind of um, more professionally. But I do have um, do have Instagram that I use quite a bit too. That people can feel free to message me on. Um, it is just J E F F R E G R E E N E. So simple to find there too. But appreciate okay. the time. Thanks, man. We'll uh, we'll link that up in the show notes and. Uh... Thanks again, Jeff. Uh, Have a great day, and I'm sure we'll be uh, connecting with you here soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and check out all of our episodes at knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs. Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.